0: Welcome back to episode three of Power, Wealth, or Purpose. Today's guest is Lukas Bosch. Lukas read philosophy, politics, and economics at Warwick University, followed by a Master of Behavioral and Decision Sciences at the University of Pennsylvania, and topped it off with an MBA at Yale. In 2020, he co-founded Project Because and is its acting COO. Project Because markets itself as the giving fintech. It facilitates strategic donations and donor autonomy by enabling each donor to start their own online foundation. The beauty here is the avoidance of the bureaucratic hassle associated with opening a foundation, especially in Germany. Lucas and Paul get into the weeds on takeaways from university, how to square having a positive impact with personal financial gain, how to bring positive change from within large corporations, and much, much more. Let's hear it, Paul. Welcome to the podcast, Lucas. Thank you
1: for having me, Paul. Well, to start off, I want to ask you, what were your two main takeaways from your uni time regarding your perception of how to achieve professional success, which is the topic of this podcast? So yeah, should one focus on grades or internship, networking, earning money during your studies, entrepreneurship? developing interests, like all these different things that you can do at uni.
2: I'm I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of general advice, right? So I, I think I made the experience that I had a lot of people around me at university that had very strong opinions on how to do this right. Um, so my, my first takeaway would be don't take advice too seriously, including mine. My impression was always that there is a lot of focus on at least at good universities, to become employable, right? and it was, it was almost shocking to me that like first year bachelor students primarily think about their employability. Um, I don't think that's particularly wise, uh, because um, I think what especially the bachelor time is really good at is actually developing your interests, what and 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 the tools to endeavor in those interests, um, and that's what drives motivation and energy. Uh, so to focus on the outcome of that, which I think is employability, is I don't think a particularly um, wise thing, because you will jump to you know, certain skills you should learn now because you read somewhere that's important at the job market. Um, and then you end up with a certain set of skills and experiences, but haven't really discovered w- why you want to do it in the first place. Similarly, for, for networking and socializing, I think, well, you have enough time in your life to do superficial networking, right? there will always be an abundance of opportunity to, to do that, uh, to actually form relationships with people where you go through a common experience that is somewhat relevant in your development, that's becoming more and more rare in your life. Uh, so, yes, I think socializing is, is is very important. And if I now think about sort of what are my, my assets out of university and one of them is having people that I know I can really rely on because it's relationships that are a bit deeper than some networking events. So, yeah, definitely be social, but be genuine, like do it around your interests and, and people you find interesting, not around, um, you know, certain industries you think you should now have some contacts in
1: so rather than getting insane grades and internships and amazing networking develop an intrinsic motivation and have deep friendships that will build a great network the issue
2: with the first part is of course like it doesn't really work if i tell you develop a passion right like find your passion Uh, that's okay and how why like that's that doesn't really work that way um so i think and, and grades can be part of that i do think working hard academically is actually good in sometimes discovering your passions not probably optimizing towards your grades but actually truly giving some things a try right so if you if you do find something that oh that sounds interesting in some introductory lecture to actually put in the effort to overcome those first hurdles and then you know maybe some of you have seen those graphs of how a learning Curve looks like where, in the beginning, everything seems super interesting, you suddenly feel confident, then you learn a bit more. Things, things become exhausting because you ah, oh, shit, this was actually really complicated. Um, and then you need quite some more effort to then go into this phase of, ah, now I can navigate the space a little bit and understand a bit what's going on. Um, so sometimes pushing yourself over these hurdles, that I think is important to really get to know whether it is a topic you're truly interested in. So that's yeah, probably academic performance might might play a role in that, but it's not optimizing towards the grade. It's optimizing towards actually learning something.
1: Well, so you uh, you did your bachelor's in PPE, and uh, then you continued economics, and then did an Yale MBA. The perfect profile for someone who could go into banking or some other high-paying job. You were even member of the private equity and venture capital club. You did an internship at a private equity firm. So many finance companies would have loved to hire you and pay you probably a multiple of uh, what you get in um, your typical impact finance salary, the, the uh, area where you work at now. Why did you still decide to join the impact sector?
2: First of all, the, the Yale MBA is, is a great program. It's not the Wall Street program. And um, that's like Wharton is, and, and, and to some extent HBS, so Harvard Business School, even though it's more private equity. So there are some of these nuances among the business schools. It doesn't matter too much. But yeah, so Yale is already known to be one that is a bit more social impact driven. I think another, <laughs> at least an image that I think many people have in their minds when they apply for programs in, I certainly did, ha- did have that to some extent. Is that oh, you have this prestigious university on your CV, and now everyone wants you, right? and that's not really true. It's not like once you have this degree on your CV, you know, you have you have a queue outside your dorm that <laughs> of people who want to hire you. Um, of course, it's beneficial in in many ways, um, but it's there's never this turning point where suddenly now you're you're this great person that everyone admires and everyone wants you. That's just, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, so even after a good MBA program or a good master's, um, I mean, you might be lucky. You might have met the right people at the right place, but most likely you will still be grinding away, trying to go through applications, etc. cetera. Um, so I think that's uh, something one should be aware of if one thinks about like if the hope is a great name on your CV is changing all these things, that's usually not that true. Now to the actual uh, core of your question. I, I mean, I did all my internships in a, if, if you look at my CV there, it looks like there's no red threads or a common thread at, at all. I think there is a little bit of one and that's I really wanted to explore different industries. So I had an internship in, in politics, in European Parliament, one in, in the industry, one in the finance sector, one in the nonprofit sector. Uh, because i actually wanted to see well how do these different industries work and i think that's what internships are great for i'm not a fan of this idea that you you need to do finance internships since your kindergarten to increase your chances to get into finance
1: yeah it's a total narrative that i think many of the, my peers and um, people in our age that want to get into the finance industry actually think about yeah i have to be at uh goldman for my second year internship and if i'm not i'm total failure um so it's actually very interesting to see where you did your internships but and nevertheless you explored all these areas and then what made you like say yeah impact investing that's that's where i want to go there was never that moment
2: i for example i really really enjoyed my private equity internship um, i just also had this feeling of yeah this is, i'm curious about this this is enjoyable there's a lot of Almost detective like work in, in private equity when you try to understand why a company is being sold and, and you need to kind of find the flaw. Um, so you call up their suppliers and try to find out what's going on and, and these kind of things. And that's fun. But I also had this feeling yeah, but after a while, I'll, this question of why am I doing this in the first place will just be too big. Um, and at that point, I knew myself enough that I also knew this will harm my performance after a while, where I will just, you know, if these questions race through my head, I'm not that concentrated anymore. I don't have that much energy anymore. And my motivation simply drops. So that wouldn't be wise, even if I like, it's it's not just a, oh, I think this is morally right or wrong. It's also, I think I would not be great at that job in, in the long term, if I would have these questions in my mind. Um... Similarly, though, in some of my non-profit internships, I had this feeling of, yeah, I know why I'm doing this. There's some clear impact angle, but if I look at my everyday life, there's some things of how I work here that I personally don't enjoy that much. Do you have an example? One question is speed, for example, and I'm very much generalizing here. Uh, but oftentimes, especially in nonprofit organizations, you need to be very, very careful in how you execute because your, you know, your main purpose, why you exist, is usually to drive some kind of impact. And you need to be very deliberate of what you're doing. You need to be incredibly reflective about what you're doing. And there are many organizations that are great at doing that. There are others that aren't, but overall, um, there's the sentiment. Right? And... I enjoy the speed of entrepreneurial work. I, I do enjoy just getting out there, trying something, see whether it works, and if it if it doesn't work, you iterate on it. it it's also a bit of a challenge for me because I tend to overthink, but it's an enjoyable exercise. Um, so these kind of dynamics, and again, this is of course a generalization. Um, but that I felt in this different different parts. Um, and collected these experiences and then the it was never impact investing primarily it was more a okay here some things are coming together Um, and I knew I wanted to work entrepreneurially at that point because I thought okay I want to try this out identity and ownership is important for me
1: this question that you were talking about when working in the private equity firm, like, why am I doing this? Or, um, yeah, what is, what is the long-term goal of what I'm doing, which I enjoy, but, like, uh, where's that purpose? I think that's the question that moves our whole generation, and I think that's becoming increasingly important. Um, and you can see it in, like, uh, how big employers advertise their jobs, um, <laughs> where they try to convince you, yeah, 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 if you work for us, like, for example, BCG, if you work for us, you'll have your impact, uh, we promise. Um, so I think there's this movement that it becomes much more important. Now, on the other hand, um, I think what was driving people maybe in the 1990s to go to Wall Street and are still doing that, is still doing that today, is that many people, especially if they put lots of effort in their studies, um, are still craving that wealth and um, being rich and um, yeah, having the feeling of living in a five-star hotel when you're on a work travel and all of that. Do you think there is a way... Um, maybe in the future, when the impact investing and the nonprofit sector is like uh, growing, to combine the two of them for for talents to have impact and to have these fulfilling jobs uh, on the same hand, kind of fulfill that wish for wealth. There definitely are
2: jobs where these things unite. There is an analogous question in impact investing, and that is exactly can we provide can can we get market rate returns or even superior returns from impact investments so for people who are not into investment basically can you make profit while creating real impact and it's usually usually it's a conversation that is posing that as a general question and I think that's incorrect um, There are definitely areas where it turns out to be like that. And if we look at the climate tech space, for example, it just so happens that climate investments turned out to be very profitable. So now we have this image of, oh yeah, climate is this area where you can do investments and can be very profitable while driving a big impact. Um, There definitely are a lot of industries where the pay is Really not that great, and they are very impact focused. Um, so yes, there is. I'm not sure whether it's combinable every, in every industry. I think the, the more important question is what, it, what is the intent you move into. There's there's, there's sort of a correlation of um, impact and and um, financial return. Um, But it's not necessarily a a, a causation. And if we think about our career, for example, you can say, oh yeah, I work at a big bank and I work in ESG. So I think about how ESG stands for environmental, uh, social and governance. Um, So basically somewhat impact related terms. I'm generalizing a lot here. How we define impact in reality is very complicated. Now you do a job here that touches on impact topics. For me, the actually hard question is, what's your personal marginal impact? So the question, what would happen if you wouldn't do this job? And that's a really, really tough question. And I think it's asked, especially in the finance sector, not often enough, because most likely, if you wouldn't do this job, someone else is around who would do the job at least similarly good to you. Maybe, maybe a little bit worse, maybe even a bit better, who knows? But it's a super crowded market. Lots of people want to go into into the space. Um, So while you work with impact, what's your personal impact? And and that's a really, really, it's a really uncomfortable question. Um, And I think it can, but sometimes I ask myself this question. And that's for me, at least one of the drivers why I like to work entrepreneurially, because the likelihood of, being in a space where if you wouldn't be around maybe at least maybe no one else is doing this right now that's a great feeling for me and that's where they okay yeah that actually that feels feels like impact of course there's a higher risk attached to it that it might just not work out and then you had zero impact and potentially zero money as well um so that's not a great outcome um but when I think about, well, how do you combine impact and finances, I actually look less at well, what are different wages in different industries and more what actually happens in this world because I do this job. And then this question changes a bit because you can... In all kinds of sectors, you can actually have quite some impact. And in some, you also get paid well. And in some, you have a chance of becoming rich because you will have an exit. And in others, you probably just don't.
1: It's very interesting to hear that. That part of your feeling of purpose is that if I wouldn't be there, whatever I'm doing wouldn't be happening. Um, so I think that's a very interesting approach to the entrepreneurship. Now, our podcast is called Power, Wealth or Purpose. And that was the idea that Oscar and I had of the different metrics of professional success. And now we talked a bit about wealth and we talked a bit about purpose, but we didn't talk about the metric power yet. Is it at mm. all uh, of interest to you to, um, to have power? Does the, does the word power uh, mean anything to you? Does it raise any motivation? Was it an, uh, of interest to you when you were founding your own company?
2: Probably the honest answer is yes, but of course it depends a bit on how you define power. So what is power of you? There's, of course, lots of literature and different different academic uh, perspectives, depending on whether you look at it politically or economically. For me, the key thing is, do you have ownership over what you're doing? And are you able to shape something significant with that? It's, ownership doesn't necessarily mean legal ownership, uh, but... You define a bit how you work and you're really identified with with what you're doing. And it's not just in a small space. I I do enjoy the thought of doing something that leaves some footprints in this world and ideally a good one. And I guess that could be described as power. And it's like the ability to shape things. Um, And that, yeah, definitely is really relevant.
1: On that metric of the name of the podcast, Power, Wealth or Purpose, how would you describe your outlook on professional success? Maybe when you started university and how it changed now, did you already find the purpose, the wealth or the power you were looking for? Or is there like a future dream of what you want to achieve to have your personal metric of professional success fulfilled?
2: I guess it would be surprising if a 27-year-old would say, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I, I got all the professional success. I, I, I need it. <laughs> maybe starting with what what is professional success to me um i guess there are two components uh, at least for me personally one is um the which is oftentimes monetary i'm not sure whether it's always but i think most of the time it's monetary um can you provide for yourself and potentially for if you want to have kids for your kids etc and build sort of an everyday life you would like to have. Um, and then the second one is Does what you do provide you with well being or you could say happiness, but it's a tricky term um, to your overall life satisfaction? Right? Do you feel fulfilled in your life? And I do think most people strive towards something like that. And it comes in different forms. And I think when people talk about money, usually it's a proxy for that. Usually there's some idea. That in your head that says, "Well, money will allow me to have this kind of life. It will make my life more enjoyable, more happy, whatever it is." Um, and on that uh, second point, I really enjoy what I'm doing right now. But I also, you know, we're we're still small. <laughs> we're growing, so I'm not, like I'm not saying this is it. Um, I think a, g- a general tendency, at least within myself during high school and then decreasing over my studies but was still there is when you think about your future and what you would like to have you build those those pictures in your head of the final result and you have some idea of okay if i have this career then at some point my life will look like this and then you picture that in your head first of all most likely it's wrong and we're we're don't have enough information to really predict how your life will look like in twenty years. I don't see how anyone can really do that accurately. And it and it sounds like a cringy sort of Instagram motivational quote, but it really ignores the the path to that place, right? and that will be most of your time. Um, so what I think my my thinking changed a lot from thinking about this final state to. How does your everyday work life look like? If I ask people now what they do, I usually annoyingly ask them, well, tell me exactly what do you do? Like what how do you spend your time? How many hours do you write emails? What, What like how many hours do you spend in a meeting? Like that's actually what you're doing, right? So when I think about my professional success now, I think it's much more about do I actually enjoy what I do on an everyday basis? And I would say personally, that's one of the few advice that I would that I allow myself to give when I talk to people is try not to think about the final result and instead look for the smaller aspects in your everyday life that you enjoy it sort of build build more of a, of a compass and I think that already works at, at, at university um, that is that's
1: very interesting to hear because um, personally in my head it is okay I'll hustle now or I hustle the first five years when I start my job to then have in the future what I picture myself now. And uh, that's why I think this whole system of like, for example, investment banking and 12, 14, 16 hour days, how that works, how people suffer through that is through the image of, oh, well, in the future, then I have all these benefits because I hustled in the beginning. And it's really interesting to hear uh, how you have a counter perspective. It's important what you're doing right now and to enjoy what you're doing. And although it might be like uh, makes total sense in my head, I think it's not a very sp- like widespread perception of young people um, that are in the beginning of their university of okay, yeah, yeah, what I'm gonna do in the first years of my um, of my work life is uh, must be super enjoyable, and uh, is rather like okay. I make this now to build my career in the future. There is a perspective that we talked about in our preparation call about effective altruism. And um, it's their former perspective, as I learned from you. Um, But it used to be the perspective of the um, effective altruists to say, look, the biggest impact that you can have is to make the most money you could possibly make and uh, yeah, then donate that money. And give it away for a good cause, for example, on Project Because. Um, <laughs> so to say, to create the biggest wealth or to pre- create power and thus wealth, and use this to create that impact that you don't have on your everyday, on in your everyday life. Um, what are your thoughts about that? I, I do
2: think it's a complicated question. I think there are some risks associated with this idea. First of all, of course, you can make this whole argument about, well, but what is your impact during your work? And you might even go as far and say, well, there might be some careers that actually have a negative impact in this world. And will you actually be able to counterbalance that? And there might be systemic changes you do by um, one believes a certain industry, for example, creates a net negative effect in this world. By be- being good in your job, you promote this industry and you like you sh- you do things in this world that are not just measured by the financial outcome. And you have no idea whether your philanthropic end- endeavors at the end of your life actually counterbalance that. That would be sort of a very mathematical view on it. I think there's a different, much more psychological perspective to it. That is what what is an ethical leader? And I, I tell you a bit why... Well, I think that's that's a relevant question. Part of this idea often is, well, look, I go through this career and then once I'm at the top, I make all these changes, either because I then have a lot of money and can spend it or because then I have power, right? And that's instead of, you sort of, you need to play the game a little bit to then change it. The problem with that is there's a model of decision-making in this idea that is, well, as a leader, you're faced with this these one-off big decisions. You know, there will be this decision in front of you, and one is the financially rewarding but ethically wrong choice, and the other one, you know, you you sacrifice yourself or your finances, but it's the ethically right thing to do. And you will then be this great leader who, once you're at the top, you choose the right thing, and that's how you're going to improve this world. Of course, simplifying, right? But I think we have this tendency to imagine this a little bit like that.
1: And, I mean, that's exactly the kind of dilemma we talked about earlier between people that want both
2: yeah the the problem is though decision making or the impact of decision making doesn't really look like that what a leader in a especially a big organization does is usually not these sometimes the hardest decisions you know there might be wartime and you actually need to make a really tough call they do exist they are rare most of your impact as a decision decision maker are loads and loads of small decisions in your everyday life so the actual question is well how do we adopt certain ways of running the everyday life of of a leader and there are at least some studies on it that indicate well that's mostly what we learn in our everyday work life and that's a problem because it means the way how you create change will be very much impacted by the work environment in which you learn these tools. And that's where the logic breaks down a little bit, because if you say, well, there's this industry that and I'm not making this argument whether some industries are evil or not, right? Like, let's stay out of, of this question. But if you have this idea in your mind that this industry is actually not that great, but I can go in there and rise to the top and then change everything. You will do this change with, in exactly the way that you learned within that industry. And that's probably not going to really work. Um, so it's not like there are. The, the model of us that, oh, we just need those better people at the top and then everything will be better. That's a bit of a simplified view. And I think that's, that's the underlying psychological issue of this thinking.
1: Not that I disagree with you, um, but to a little bit challenge your view. Like, let's say I'm, a, I'm an expert in finance. I'm like a really good analyst and uh, I built these great financial models. And let's say I go into a BlackRock. I rise the ranks, I rise the ranks, and at the end of the day, I'm CEO of BlackRock. And I learned everything that I could possibly learn at BlackRock. And then I decide, okay, we're going to switch and we're going to announce, as they did, I think, uh, we're going to make our investments carbon neutral. Isn't that then a tangible change of such magnitude? People like, um, for example, Lucas of Project Because that does this great impact thing, (laughs) Could never yeah, but it's definitely to, not a bit yeah. <laughs> but like, do you understand my thought? Like, um, D- the, definitely, definitely. If you have this conviction in your mind, like, oh yes, I, I, my culture and how I socialized has been in BlackRock all the time and not in the impact sector. But in the back of my head, I will always have, if I can, I will do the climate friendly option. Couldn't that still create an incredible impact? Maybe much larger than anyone in a non-profit could ever do? I think
2: the issue is that uh, you're right. And the problem is oftentimes different perspectives can actually both be be right. (laughs) Um, There are these situations. Now, the specific BlackRock case, I'm not an expert enough in that field to really judge on it. One question I would at least ask is, well, again, how much is there an actual causal relationship? How much was it really a... uh, is this a change that would ha- have happened anyway sometime soon because of larger market shifts? And I think the financial sector, we want to go into the analysis of that, overestimates its catalytic role in these changes. Like the idea that the financial providers change their mindset and that's how the impact is being created, I think is a bit overstated. Usually the, there's uh, they react to already underlying changes and maybe they can, you know, Catalyze it a little bit, but they're at least not the source of the this these changes most of the time. Again, generalizing, but that, that's to the specific case of Blackrock. Um, now, I think yes, those decisions happen. There, that's the point where I would put on my more my economics mind on is that well, what are the probabilities that you will be in that position and that in this position you will be faced with these really rare decisions where you can have this big impact. And, and basically calculate your expected outcomes, right? Your expected value of your, your decision. And that's where I would then say, well, yeah, these things happen. There are always these outliers. Um, the likelihood of you ending up in some middle management at BlackRock and will not be the one who will make this great call. And by the way, this is not to say that you can't have impact in large organizations, not at all. I do think your everyday, your everyday actions do absolutely matter. And it's exactly the everyday actions, even in your middle management. It's just this idea of you adapt and you just try to perform. And then at some point, there will be this moment of you do the thing you actually care about. Like, that's, I think, that that's problematic. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have a career at BlackRock. I think you can have a lot of impact in your career at BlackRock. But if you do think having a positive impact in this world matters to you, don't wait for it. This thinking should actually be trained throughout your career. Um, th- that, I think that's, that's my point there.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. And my, my thought to it is as well, like um, if you socialize in an environment like BlackRock, which is like highly profit oriented, then to, to rise to the ranks, it's going to be very hard to maybe not take the most profit bringing, but the most sustainable option. Um, And then be loved by your um, supervisors who will then promote you. Um, But if you're like actually that impact driven already in the middle management, maybe it's a bit hard to rise up, Um, which I think is a totally different uh, topic when you go to, okay, exiting this uh, profit oriented industry um, and leaving the big profit and the big money and the wealth behind to create purpose, um, which will be a topic in uh, some other podcast episodes with uh, people who actually did exit um, providers like BlackRock um, or the big consulting firms. Um, we're coming to the end of our interview. And um, I have uh, one last question for you. Um, during uh, during the last couple of years, um, what did you encounter uh, in your reflections upon this topic of professional success, um, of thinking about impact, thinking about your wealth and all of that? Can you recommend any resources models books authors uh, talks that you heard or read or just came across in your pursuit of your professional success um do you want to share them with us and uh, what did you learn from those so the first thing
2: that comes to my mind um are are the, the people around me which is not great because i can't easily share them with you um, <laughs> uh, um but actually building those relationships with people you think you admire for some reason or who are good in something you want to become good at um, and build a genuine connection with them. Not you know the typical transactional networking relation style, that's probably not gonna work, but actually build those relationships where you can ask the stupid questions. Um, that is an incredible resource. Generally asking stupid questions is a, wonderful resource and one that will go away the older you get because you will feel more and more ashamed about it you feel like oh you can't ask these questions anymore um so this would be by far the number one for me when we talk about models i actually think the the model the kind of model i talked about before this when you think about your future career to not think too much in the end result but rather build a bottom-up model of how you would like your work life to look like by these little things that you care about everyday things you enjoy Um, that was tremendously helpful for me i that actually one of my mentors told me about this model at some point Um, that's that's where i got it from and it was very helpful for me and then with books (laughs) Now there's one for the people who, especially people who think about these questions of you know your impact throughout your career and sort the, of the the effect of altruism. I think we talked about. Um, there's one that is has been really really popular in like the last couple of years called Winners Take All, um, and that's you know I don't agree with everything in the book, uh, but it's basically a a big criticism of how doing good for yourself while doing good for for the world. Um, can lead to really bad effects because you essentially keep on like, perpetuating structures that enable you to be successful that might be harmful to others. So I think that's that that's a good one for for this discussion. Um, and otherwise, I would say read a lot of behavioral science. <laughs> I, I do think that actually I enjoy a lot in these in these questions. So for example. Um, What uh, recently I read, How to Change by, I think, Katie Milkman, um, where it's a weird title, but it's essentially just an overview of what does behavioral science actually tell us about how we can run an everyday life that we enjoy and how to make these changes. And a lot of these things, like a lot of the the stuff points towards, you know, it's about forming an environment around yourself that pushes you in a certain direction, which um, I think there's some analogy to what we talked about. Before, mm-hmm. yeah. which is you know much more of your life and your impact is about shaping these structures around yourself, shaping your everyday behavior, and it's less about these grand decisions that come along. Um, and it's also not the New Year's resolution where you say, "Okay, now I'm gonna you know i to go to the gym all the time." Um, but it's about how do you shape the environment around yourself so you become that person who will find it easy to go to the gym
1: great that's a that's a long list of different things that we can touch upon um when we pursue the the listeners pursue their their professional success um as the ending bit of this podcast and we'll end just right after you finish that um first of all thank you for being in the podcast it was an amazing talk uh, i think we all learned a lot and um really appreciate you being there now for the last 30 seconds you have a broadcast to the audience of um Young, aspiring professionals, probably mostly students. What is your perception of professional success? How do we achieve it? What do you want to tell to us all?
2: Again, I would say always be cautious <laughs> Be cautious about advice. I do think my general theme of my thinking is it's less about some big final outcome you have in your head. Um, the good feeling of that will fade very quickly. It's about building something that brings you joy and well-being in your everyday life Um, and i think that's as cringy as it sounds i do think that's the main aim
0: great thank you very much lucas thank you paul what a fantastic interview with lucas despite his young age he really is such an insightful and introspective person which i was really impressed by i thought his take on general advice was really interesting because at the end of the day it's not a one size fits all we're all different people and so digging and seeking specific advice to oneself can be is is much more effective in um in self development than taking on general advice
1: yes oscar i really agree with you and i think everyone listening to this should uh, take this advice serious because not everything you will hear on this podcast will be perfectly applicable to you and your career um I found his take really interesting of saying that reaching an ever dreamed of end goal does not create long term happiness, especially his empirical proof from his time at UPenn where he studied behavioral economics, um, I found really interesting um, and I think very insightful that, yeah, becoming partner at a big firm after years of hard work, it uh, only creates really short term happiness while if you really enjoy what you're doing, um, yeah, is is the real key to happiness and success.
0: And and what can help with that is properly cultivating interests during during your time at university. So what uh, Lucas said was not to think too much about employability during university, but cultivating interests and getting good at them, which will then essentially lead to success um, ultimately. And so I, I think that fits there quite well.
1: Yeah. Um, if we look back to our first episode with Zaskia, she says something similar about employability. However, she says that it was would be a great way to start off a career in something like consulting, as she did it. Um, Lucas, however, kind of disagrees because the consulting, as Zaskia did it at least, had no impact as such in the first five years. Her take is that well, you become more respected and um, more recognised when you did consulting in the impact sector later in your career. Lucas says, don't wait up. Start right now. Start wherever you are. You can have impact everywhere through your day-to-day decisions. And I think that is something that we can all uh, yeah, remember for our careers is not to wait for the impact to come to you, but to actively search for it and actively yeah, have impact. Um, next Monday, make sure to tune in again when Oscar interviews entrepreneur and scientist Per Ederer. He shares his learnings from an incredibly diverse career, from trading in Tokyo to consulting at McKinsey to entrepreneurship to academia and data science today. Looking forward to hear you back on Monday and thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure to subscribe on Instagram, LinkedIn and Spotify and Apple and share this episode with your friends.